Welcome back to the One God Report podcast. This is Bill Schlegel. The title of this podcast is Are Trinitarians Idol Worshippers? Or you might ask the question in an evangelical way, Are Trinitarians Saved? It's a good question. I think most Trinitarian Christians would be shocked to hear that some people think they're not saved or that they might be idol worshippers. I don't know if there is a black and white answer to these questions because there are different degrees, it seems to me, and different facets to the question. Many Trinitarians that I know seem to not really know what they believe in connection to who God and Jesus are. And functionally or practically, they believe in one God, the Father. And I think that most likely there are different levels and degrees of judgment. Like James said, teachers will be judged with greater strictness, James 3.1. People that promote the idea that God is a tri-personal being, that sort of lead the way in maintaining that God is a tri-personal being, they'll be judged more strictly than just the average person that's heard this from a pastor for years and years and years, that really doesn't have the same tools or time even to look into these things deeper. I don't totally exonerate that kind of a person, but I think there will be a degree of judgment. However, I'm not confident that everything is going to be all right for someone who insists that God is a triune being, a trinity, or someone who insists that Jesus literally is God. Because these beliefs, Trinitarianism and the deity of Christ belief, they're messing with what Jesus himself called the greatest commandment, that Yudhe the God of Israel, our God is one. And Jesus commended the scribe who referred to God as he, with the singular personal pronoun he, a triune God, would be referred to with the plural pronoun they. Jesus agreed with the scribe. This is in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 32. You are right, teacher. You have said truly that he is one, not they are one. He is one, and that there is no other but he, singular pronoun. My wife points out that Jesus doesn't confuse the number in his pronouns when he talks about himself and his father. For instance, in John chapter 14, verse 23 and 24, Jesus said, If a man loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. See, Jesus uses the plural pronouns when he refers to God and himself together. We will come, and we will make our home. See, Trinitarians don't do that. I've never heard a Trinitarian refer to God with plural pronouns, but they should because they believe that God is three persons. So they're like the modern progressive movement that mixes up their pronouns. So again, they're messing with what Jesus called the greatest commandment, that Yahweh is one. They've got to kind of finagle their way and say, well, That one is not one individual person or one self, but it's one essence. 
or one group, one family. But this is not something that was described in the scripture. The Bible doesn't say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is three persons in one. It's something that, that has to be made up from the human mind to kind of compensate for figuring out how can God be one and not really one. In the same way, I think they're messing with the great commandment that Yahweh gave to Israel in Exodus chapter 20, the first of the Ten Commandments, where he said, I am yod vav your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Singular individual. And this phrase, no other gods before me, is interesting because it's literally no other gods on my face or in my face. One of the aspects of that is it sort of has a brazen aspect to it. You're replacing yud vav with something else, and you're doing it kind of brazenly. You're proud about it, or you're confirmed about it. You're very certain about it. You're putting it right in the face of God. Something else in his face, not in their face. You're putting a conglomeration of persons, the triune God, brazenly. Yeah, the Trinity, that's the one God. And there's sort of a pride or a confidence and a brazenness to it. So when we ask the question, are Trinitarians idol worshipers? The question really comes down to this. Who, or in their case, what, is the one God? Is the one God the Father alone? Or is the one God a tripersonal group, being, a substance? Is that the one God, a deity that has more than one person? They can't both be the one God. The one God is either the Father alone or the one God is the Trinity. So if the one God is the Father alone and you maintain that the Trinity is the one God, that is an idol. And we have the scriptural record from the mouth of Jesus himself, from the mouth of Paul, that the one God is the Father. John 17, 1 through 3. Jesus was praying to the Father. He said, Father, this is eternal life to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, says of believers, of Christians, as for us, there is one God, the Father. So, you're going to have to come up with all kinds of subsidiary, backway, backdoor explanations to get around Paul's clear statement that as for us, there is one God, the Father. I suggest also that Trinitarianism and the deity of Christ belief is a form of antichrist since it actually denies that Jesus Christ is a human person. All deity of Christ interpretations of passages in the Bible, like John chapter 1 or Philippians chapter 2, all these interpretations that try to say that this is about the God Jesus, among other things, they do two things. One, they denigrate the Father by declaring that someone or something else other than the Father is the one true God. Again, if the Father is the one true God, then nothing else is. No combination of persons would be the one true God. And secondly, 
these deity of Christ interpretations of the New Testament, they attempt to rob the man, Christ Jesus, of who he is and what he did. Since Trinitarianism, or deity of Christ belief, insists that Jesus is a God person who only took on human flesh or he took on human nature, that means there never was, or is not now, a real human person, Jesus, the Messiah, from Nazareth. Otherwise, Jesus would be two persons, a God person who's existed from eternity, and a man-person, Jesus of Nazareth, who came to being some 2,000 years ago. But traditional Christianity decided in around AD 451, almost 1,600 years ago, that Jesus is not two persons. He is only the God-person. The man, Jesus of Nazareth, never did anything according to this understanding. He never humbled himself. He never obeyed God. He never trusted God. He never existed. Why? Because it was only the God person all along doing these things. Now here we have to think of verses like 1 John 2, 22-23. The scripture says, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Unquote. So, in this scripture, who is denying the Son? Is it someone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God? Or, is it someone who denies that the human person, Jesus of Nazareth, is the Christ, the Messiah? 1 John 2.22 does not say, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is God? Far from it. People like me believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God recognizing the biblical presentation of who the Son of God is. The Son of God is never literally God in the Bible. He can represent God, but he's never literally God in the Bible. The title, Son of God, is given to created beings, especially to the people of Israel and to Israel's chief representative, the king of the line of David. This is what the Son means in the Bible. And Christ means anointed. In the Bible, the Christ is never God, but is anointed by God. In the Bible, the Christ is always a different being from God, distinct from God. If you deny that Jesus, a human person, is the Christ, what Christianity has been doing for hundreds of years you may not have the Father either. But still, this question is a difficult one. Somebody not so long ago asked me, well, how about you, Bill? When you were a Trinitarian, were you, quote-unquote, saved? And quite honestly, I don't know. Just this morning, I was reading in 1 Corinthians, and chapter 3 ends this way. 
Paul writes that you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Now, I don't remember how I understood that verse when I was a Trinitarian and I believed in the deity of Christ. I think I probably just read over it and my presuppositions didn't cause me to think of what it really means. Let me give you another example. I used to lead groups of college students to Galilee as part of my work in Israel. And we would go for one week. And for six of those days, in the morning, I would have us read one chapter from the book of Ephesians as we got going in the morning, because Ephesians is quite a lot about God working to bring Gentiles into the promises that he's made through Israel. I've read the book of Ephesians many times. And in chapter 1, for instance, verse 17, this verse, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, like I say, I've read this passage hundreds of times, probably, as a Trinitarian. I don't know how it escaped my attention that God is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. The presuppositions, I just read right over it, and it didn't hit me. I probably understood, even subconsciously, that the passage was about God working through the man, Christ Jesus from Nazareth. Or I also probably thought this is about the human Jesus, as distinct from the God Jesus, making Jesus into this kind of schizophrenic, dual-natured, dual-personed, whatever of modern Christianity. Eventually, scriptures like this did start to hit me, like Acts chapter 2, verse 36, which says that God raised Jesus from the dead, and God made Jesus Lord and Messiah. But my Trinitarian background, what I'd always been told, what I'd always studied in college and these kinds of things, it blinded me. It put a veil over my eyes from seeing what that passage said. So I don't know what my status was. I have a certain confidence now that I have a better understanding of who Jesus and the one true God are. And I use are, not is, right? because they are two persons, two different beings. The plural are Jesus and God are who they are. So you really need the wisdom of Solomon, or like the book of Hebrews, the word of God. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So we do have the word of God that can divide, and that's why I would not say that Trinitarians are going to be okay. I think our role now is... We need to present to people, hey, the Bible is declaring a different God and different Messiah than traditional Christianity has for hundreds of years now. And here's another very important aspect to this question. I don't have all the information. I think we have a lot, but I can't really judge the secrets and the intentions of the heart. The Apostle Paul said that somebody will have all the information and can be the right judge. The Apostle Paul states, 
in Acts chapter 17, 31, that God, quote, will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he, that's God, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead, unquote. So one day, we will stand before the resurrected, glorified Messiah of God, the Christ, the man, Christ Jesus. Have we said in our hearts during our time on this age, we will not have that man rule over us? A mere man can't be my judge. Will the resurrected, glorified human Jesus who has been given the authority by God to judge, will he say to us, Depart from me, I never knew you? Will he say that to the person who insists in this age that Jesus is not a man, but is some kind of pre-human, eternal God or a God-man? Ironically, perhaps some Trinitarians may be saved by what many have insisted they are not saved by, and that is works. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay every man for what he has done. Or here's Paul in a judgment context in 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive good or evil according to what he has done in the body. Let me make a suggestion that one of those works which have been done by quote-unquote Christians will be how they treated the children of God who believe that God is the Father and that the man Jesus is the Messiah. See 1 John 5.1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is a child of God. Whoever loves the parent loves the child. Not everyone who believes that Jesus is God is a child of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is a child of God. And everyone who loves the parent loves the child. If you love God, you'll love the children of God who believe that Jesus is the Christ. If you're a Trinitarian and you've pushed away someone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, watch out. But again, a person like me, I'm not the final judge. I don't have all the information. God has appointed the man, Jesus Christ, and given him the authority to judge. Another passage, John 5, 22. Jesus says, the Father gave me the authority to judge. But again, I think people like me can warn others. Is God the Father? And inform others there is a better way to understand who the God of the Bible is and who the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus is, rather than thinking they're a co-eternal group of one being. Is our God the Father, or is our God the Trinity? Let us each examine ourselves. A triune God is not the Father, 
and the Father is not a triune God. Will we appear before God and attempt to explain to Him, singular, to Him, why we insisted that He is a triune God and why we condemned His children who knew that He is the Father and that Jesus is His human Messiah? Romans 14, 12. So each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let me just make a couple of quick announcements. One, next week I plan to be at the youth conference of the Church of God General Conference in Indiana. Some 200 youth gather together. It's a great time. If your kids are not enrolled for this summer, I should be thinking about it for the next summer. I plan to be teaching a class called Trinitarianism versus Biblical Unitarianism. We'll be examining the major differences between Trinitarian and Biblical Unitarian understandings of God and Jesus, including an analysis of some of the biblical proof texts which both sides present. I've got about 16 people in my class looking forward to it. It's also a great time just getting out and meeting people, playing sports, having some fun activities together. And then I just wanted to say, too, that the prize money is still out there, $200 for anybody who can come up with a verse where the word God means the Trinity in the New Testament, or $200 for anybody who can find a verse in the New Testament where God the Son is mentioned, or $200 for anybody who can find a verse in the New Testament that says that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Yishmahu the humble will hear and rejoice.